Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's been ill all week. Came to the captain's run and trained away from the group, but he's feeling pretty good. He has Ventolin and... Um, he took too many puffs on game day, and I think there's a level you can go to before it becomes too many, and he was unaware of how many you can take. So I think he merely mentioned it, or the docs just quizzed him on a little bit in the warm-up out on the ground. To the docs' credit, they they worked out that if he, uh, if he plays, he might be over. So we didn't want to take the risk. Adam Simpson explains the late withdrawal of Brady Hoff out of the Western Derby. It's uh, just another thing that West Coast haven't gotten right this year. And there's too many little things that have gone wrong at West Coast for things to be okay there. Joining me on the show is the West Australians, Craig O'Donoghue, gun basketball writer, gun footy writer. Cod, welcome. How are you, Duff? I'm very well this Monday morning, Craig. And yourself? Oh, going beautifully. It's a lovely day. (laughs) (laughs) It is a lovely day, actually. I'm looking outside. Whenever I can see shadows between here and the Camfield, it's a a good day. It means the sun is shining. um, What's the Western Derby fallout for you, Craig? Well, I mean, I think there's several issues. You mentioned the Brady Hoff one. I actually feel a bit sorry for Brady Hoff because the the rules are confusing. And I think that's that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is that the West Coast are uncompetitive constantly and don't do anything about it constantly. They, they just concede 100 points of feet after 100 points of feet and there, there was no feeling after the game that I saw of, oh man, this is a disaster, we're going to have to make wholesale changes, we're going to have to take the coach, we're going to have to move people on. It just felt like another loss and it's their fifth by 100 points. They conceded you know, 17 unanswered goals, they conceded 18 unanswered goals against Sydney and 12 unanswered goals against Hawthorne and 12 unanswered goals against Geelong, and they've considered nine unanswered goals against Carlton twice, and it just feels like, oh, well, we've done it again. Uh, it's a step backwards. We'll try better next week. It's not good enough. So what do you think happened with the Brady Hoff scenario? I mean, it, it, it must have been distressing and distracting. Distressing for Hoff? You see suddenly starting thinking, oh, my God, am I at risk of breaching water codes? And, and distracting for the team when there's all this palaver going on um, on the bench when we're about to start a Western Derby. Yeah, so the rules say that you can have six puffs of your Ventolin puffer in eight hours, but it also says you can have 16 over 24 hours. So I can see how you could get quite confused when you're trying to do the, all the maths. And my question would be, if you're Usain Bolt and you take your six puffs before in, in eight hours, that's that's got to be different to Brady Hoff taking his six puffs in eight hours because... Usain Bolt's event goes for nine seconds and Hoff's go for two hours. So when are they going to be tested? Is it Does the eight hours come into play from when you're tested or before your event starts? I think it's really confusing 
for athletes in general. And your health has to come in, into play also. Like, if you're unwell and you need a puffer, my cousin is horrible with asthma and she needs her puffer. Like, so if you need something like that to be healthy, I don't see how that can be performance enhancing when your performance is already going to go down as a result of it. But we don't even know what the ban is or would have been yet. There was a ban in 2007 of an Italian cyclist, which was for a year. And that just seems so excessive for what is a Ventolin puffer. Um, it doesn't feel to me like a lot of the, the, the drugs in sport laws are fair on normal life. If it's EPO or blood doping or steroids, we all understand it. But when it's basic things like a Sudafed tablet or uh, something like asthma, I just don't see why we're punishing players for making those sorts of mistakes so harshly. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um why not just leave him out of the team? He's been crook all week. They're not in finals contention. Um, you know, they, they can easily find a replacement for Brady Hoff to put in that team and, and play against Fremantle. And let's face it, when you look back at the result in hindsight, they're hardly going to go any worse than, they, than how they went. So, um, no, and, that, and that's the big point, isn't it? They, could, they didn't have to select him, and yeah. he hadn't trained all week, so he clearly wasn't 100% fit. Um, they had options. They could have put Greg, Greg Clark in, in it as, a, as a running sort of a player. Um, they could have brought Jack Williams in as, as a taller player. They needed a taller player as well because they were lacking a second ruckman at that point anyway. Um, it didn't feel like selecting a player like Brady Hopper who'd been sick all week made a lot of sense in the first place. But I think we, it has shown another light on the fact that whenever drugs in sport comes up in footy, we have a problem. The, the supplement scandal in Essendon went forever. Whitley Rioli's case took forever. Um, we've had players suspended for, for many, many years, or two years for the, the Collier blokes who took cocaine and had clenbuterols um, cut in it. And we're not catching guys who are genuinely uh, taking steroids or anything like that. We're punishing people for inadvertent mistakes, although Willie Rioli wasn't a mistake. It was a, it was a, a really stupid decision by him. But well, most well, of the it, was, it was a mistake, but it was, it was a mistake. It was just stupidity, not uh, yeah. uh, not your normal run-of-the-mill mistake. Hey, let's talk about the implications for West Coast. Does this change anything as far as you're concerned? Do we see West Coast sit down and go, you know what, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back, or are you, do you expect they'll just continue to bunker down, ride out the season, and go again with Adam Simpson next year? History says they bunker down because they always have. They've, they've always taken the attitude of uh, when things are going bad, that's not the time to make change because it causes instability, and when things are going well, that's not the time to cause change because stability is important. So if you never make change when things are good and you never make change when things are bad, you never actually make any change. So I, if we if we base it on that, and we heard Trevor Nisbet speak multiple times in the past couple of weeks saying he wants to go on next year. We've heard them say Adam Simpson's got the two-year deal still and he'll go on next year. Uh, it doesn't feel like anyone uh, is going to put the, their nurries on the line and say, we're going to change it now. And as much as there's plenty of people out there who believe it should happen, including some in, we believe within West Coast, it doesn't feel like the actual people at the top are prepared to make that call. Um, and you would have thought that a derby loss like this would be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So will it force this sort of change? We'll have to wait and see. But in the room, in, or in the in the press conference after the game, Simo didn't look like a bloke who was rattled and thought he was gone. Um, I asked him, do you feel like the board might change their mind on this? And he was like, well, what will be will be. And he was very relaxed about it. It wasn't like we've seen with other coaches in the past who are resigned to the fact that they're done. And um, I think he would know within himself from his own discussions whether he's done. He didn't look like he felt that way. So 
as I said off the top of the show, the one question West Coast has to answer here is, is Adam Simpson the best coach to develop a young playing list? Not is he a premiership coach? We know he is. Um, not is it his fault what's happened over the past two years? It's a matter of opinion. There are many factors. But if you sat down and asked yourself that question, Craig, is Adam Simpson a good developer of young players? Is he the right person to take the club forward uh, with the list they're going to have over the next two or three years? Well, what would your answer be? Answer be I don't know because we haven't seen it. Well, he, was, he was at Hawthorne as an assistant coach, and they were good the whole time. They were great. They were a premiership team. Then he came to West Coast, and they were a team of players who were quite mature, um, were, were ready to strike, and suddenly you don't get to see him in, a, in development mode there either. So he's never had the opportunity to work as an, in a development sort of system. He's always been in teams that are, that are quite good. So and he brought in, obviously, um, some, some new players into that 2018 team with Dan Benables and uh, Willie Rioli and Liam Ryan. But Ryan and Rioli weren't young. They were just inexperienced because they'd been recruited as more mature age footballers. So we haven't seen him taking over teams that are, or working with kids you know, 18, 19, 20 consistently until the past couple of years. And it's been an absolute disaster. Um, and you say that it's not a question of whether or not it's his fault that they've got to this stage in the first place with the way it's happened in the past couple of years. But he's in charge of making a lot of the decisions uh, around how we develop, who we play, who we select. And he, he's always backed in the older guys rather than playing the kids in the first place. Um, so I think he does have to be held responsible for the fact that they've got to this stage because it's a lot of decisions that get you to this. It's not just the fact that a few injuries have happened. Where's the depth? Where's the development that, have, that has come into the young guys in the first place? I don't think we've seen it. Can you find me a positive out of that derby for West Coast? No. No, I don't think I think you can find any any positives out of what happened on the weekend at all, really, because they were just so poor. That the first ten minutes is probably the positive, and that was it. Like, there's nothing else where you can look at it and go, "There's a clear way forward as a result." Because nobody stood up and said, "You're not getting past me." As seventeen unanswered goals came through, nobody stood up during that period of play and said, "I'm going to." So I put this team on my back and, and try to make change. They were all the same. It was, the ball was just going past them, left, right and centre. So uh, I don't think you walk away from the derby at all looking at West Coast and going, yep, that's a positive that will help them for next year. So there was a winner. Let's talk about Frio. Hayden Young in the midfield, I think, is a, a great move and it's one they just need to keep going with now. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Like big body, they don't have a lot of, of big bodies in there, so it makes a huge difference. Can kick the footy, which is just so important for them because it's different to Sarong and Brayshaw aren't the sort of kicks that you, you want from um, taking the ball inside 50. Sarong is, more, is a lot of a hack kick out, out of clearance to get the ball going forward, which is important to get the ball into your forward 50, but it doesn't give the forwards a great chance. And Andrew Brayshaw isn't the penetrating kick, whereas if young has got the ball in your hands as a forward, you'd be... Is Caleb Sarong in All-Australian contention and is Jai Amis in Rising Star contention in your eyes? We may have lost Craig there. We'll try and get him back. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, I think Caleb Sarong is in All-Australian contention. I think he's only played two bad games for the season. 
think he's uh, established a really high level of consistency. And as I said about Jai Amish, he's got 38 goals now. I think when Jesse Hogan won the Rising Star Award back uh, many years ago, he kicked 44 goals as a young teenage power forward. Looks like we're struggling to get Craig O'Donoghue back. We'll take a break and uh, we'll be back with more of the show after the break. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Ute. You can live your own way in the seven-seater MUX. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. And if you want to share your thoughts with us on the show, you can on the Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or you can give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. Yes, welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. We've got Craig O'Donoghue back, and we we're just getting on to talking about Freo. Cod, welcome back. Yeah, the last thing I heard was you say he's part of Caleb Sorrell, and then you were gone. <laughs> um, I was wondering what part of Caleb Sorong you were talking about. <laughs> is, Ca- is, is Caleb Sorong in contention for All-Australian selection in your eyes? Yeah, I think he absolutely is. Um, I think you're going to say he's part of his, his problem is kicking um, in, against the other midfielders um, who he'd be in contention with, and, and definitely that would be would be one thing. His clearances, though, are so important for that team. His ability to win the footy is so important for the team. Um, I don't think he'll end up in the All-Australian team, but I think that that's forty. He has been absolutely magnificent all year for them um, as that inside player, and, yeah, he deserves to be recognised for the spot in the 40. What about uh, Jai Amis and Rising Star? Let's say Jai Amis kicks four and three in his last two games um, against pretty good opposition now that Port Adelaide are obviously back in form and Hawthorne surging. Um, where would that put him in Rising Star reckoning, do you think? It would absolutely change everything because the problem with Amis in the past few weeks has been that he hasn't had those big big moments. He's had the ones in most weeks. Um, he hasn't had the three and four to, to make people who are judging him, remember him in the back half of the season. So suddenly he's, he's kicked four goals throughout the weekend, which is fantastic. And 40 goals in a season is enormous for anybody, let alone a young player. Uh, he's not someone who gets a lot of the ball, um, so that can make it hard for him to, to get noticed by as a, a judging panel when they're looking at him versus Harry Shears or he's getting a truckload of it or Will Ashcroft, who had such a good season as a midfielder. So the comparison between mids and forwards is hard, um, but the pure numbers is what he's going to hang his hat on when it comes to that rising star debate. And if he can get between... If he gets up to 45 goals, which is, as you say, if he kicks seven in the next two weeks, that's three he'll end up at, that is a compelling case to be selected um, as the rising star for this year. So uh, he was $21 um, to, to win it uh, the, uh, before the game. And I, I mentioned that as just as long as he was walking out. He looked at me and went, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he went, I wish we could get on 21 bucks. Um, but, yeah, he's, he, he's a vastly closer rising star winner than what the uh, the bookmakers have, have uh, indicated so far. One of the blokes that I've really loved, he's improvement in recent weeks, because I've always thought this kid could play, Sam Sturt. What are you making of him? Yeah, well, he was an early pick, wasn't he? He was a first-round draft pick, which um, at the time he was a, a young kid who hadn't been seen a lot, hadn't been exposed a lot, but uh, Freeman loved the skill that he had, and he's just had absolutely no luck with his body um, throughout his career, and you, you, we all wondered, is he a bust or not? But when you see someone finally get the opportunity to play, you can see what they're capable of, and we can see all the things they talked about at the time. He's cleaned the footy, uh, he, he can use it really well, he can kick goals, he, he's got the courage to go in and win the hard ball if, he, if he's needed in 
in that role as well. So he's got a lot of traits that make you excited about him. Um, contacted for next year now, which is great for him. I think that we'll start to see why Fremantle selected uh, Sam Sturt in the first place. And uh, I think that makes him an, an important part of their, of their future now because he's tall as well. And they don't have a lot of uh, players who can potentially push into that midfield as well who are tall. And he's different to that other forward mix they've got. If you're Fremantle, are you having a conversation amongst yourselves about how you manage your ruck stocks? And is it worth finding out what is on offer for Sean Darcy if Sean Darcy has any inclination to go whatsoever? Yeah, they, they have to have that conversation now because what we've seen in the past month at Melbourne is that Max Gorn is a vastly better player when Brodie Grundy isn't there. And what we've seen at Fremantle is that Luke Jackson's a vastly better player when Sean Darcy's not there. So um, if once you, you take the second ruckman out... Of the, of, the, of the equation, we see what, how good the number one Ruckman is. And it just, it's, it's impossible, I think, for any team now to look at it and say, we're better with two genuine Ruckman, because they're, they're clearly not. Melbourne's not better with Brodie Grundy and Max Gordon. Fremantle don't look better with both Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson. And whilst it's a great idea at the start to say, oh, two Ruckman will make us fantastic, it doesn't tend to be the case, and it hasn't really been the case for a long time in any team. So uh, you have to make that decision about whether or not Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson can play together long term and whether you're going to get any more for Sean Darcy than you will right now. So um, does he want to leave? Is he open to leaving? How keen are the clubs? Uh, all these questions are, are sitting there. And because Luke Jackson was unbelievably unlikely and he's been fantastic ever since Sean Darcy's been out. So they, they sold the farm to get Luke Jackson and now they might need to get some of that farm back for Sean Darcy to make sure that they can improve other areas of the field. Craig, it's always a pleasure to uh, talk to you. Oh, one more before I let you go. What happened to front-on contact in the Western Derby? I thought that was a rule. Yeah, it hasn't been, it hasn't been a rule that's been paid for a few weeks now in a, in a lot of situations, unfortunately. Um, happened to West Coast and Mason Redmond took out Noah Long last week as well. Yeah, it's up. It's fair to say in West Coast games at the moment, they've put some inexperienced umpires out there in nearly every single game. Um, so they're using the West Coast games, the umpiring department, to blood their youth. Uh, and on the weekend, they had uh, uh, Nick McGuinness out there who had done 23 games and Cam Jones had done six. The previous week it was 9 and 15 for two of the umpires. The week before that, it was 3 and 5. 2 and 2 the week before that, 2 and 10, 1 and 5 the previous week. So there's two guys out there every single week who are absolutely making their way, and they're going to make some blues. And I think um, when you look up and go, what the hell is there? More often than not in a West Coast game at the moment, it's because it's, it's an extremely inexperienced umpire um, who's like some of the West Coast players, just uh, just trying to get through the game without making too many mistakes. So, um, yeah, there's going to be some challenges for, the, for the, the West Coast fans as they watch their games from an umpire perspective throughout the rest of the season. Yes, the umpiring department, like the West Coast Eagles, is in a rebuild. Craig, thank you for joining us on the show and uh, look forward to talking to you again before the end of the season. No worries. Have a good day, everyone. Craig O'Donoghue, you can read his stuff in the West Australian newspaper. Uh, remember, we are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. We'll be back after the break.